0: Hello, and welcome to episode 197 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. First, a warm welcome to Danielle H., Monica R., Ethel F., and Lynette D., the newest members of the Modern Manager community. I also want to give a shout out to Monica, a listener who brought it to my attention that having transcripts available for the episodes is awesome, but keeping them behind a paywall is not so awesome because transcripts are an important part of accessibility equity. So starting April 1st, transcripts will be available for every episode to all listeners. They will continue to be available in the show notes in the members only feed, but not in the public feed. So, if you're listening and you want to get those transcripts, just subscribe to my newsletter at themodernmanager.com and you'll receive the transcripts in that weekly email announcing the new episode along with a blog article. And you'll get access to the searchable database of all episodes so you can get to any transcript. I am also doing a book giveaway on Instagram. There will be details released on April 1st, so follow me on Instagram to learn more and get additional management insights and a little peek into my life. Links to the newsletter sign up and my Instagram are in the show notes. Now today's episode is about synchronous and asynchronous communication. In short, synchronous means we're all physically present at the same time. Asynchronous means each person is communicating independently of the timing of others. We all know that communication is at the heart of how people work together. So getting the right tools, processes, and norms in place for your team to facilitate effective synchronous and asynchronous communication is essential. I will share three key principles to consider when designing how your team will use its various communication modes. And then I'll walk through an approach to create a communication guide so that your team can get aligned on how you'll communicate and then document it for future reference. So let's get to it.
1: You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rockstar boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer stewart
0: Whether your team is fully in person or fully remote or a blend, you'll use a mix of synchronous and asynchronous communication and collaboration. What that looks like for each team, like how your various modes are used and what technology you choose to support communications may look quite different. As you're figuring out the optimal mix of tools, methods, and practices, you'll want to consider three key principles. Principle number one, fewer is better. Or in other words, Only take on as much complexity to communications as you need and no more. It is actually quite astounding how many different tools or apps we use in a given day, simply to connect with our team. Here's a list of the tools that I use with my team pretty much daily. Slack, ClickUp, Google Docs, Email, Zoom, voice messaging, and texting. Plus, we have additional tools we use to actually do the content of the work. And on top of all of those, there are dozens and dozens of other tools that we have chosen not to use because they're not additive to our communication mix. For example, we could use a video messaging app like Volley, a client communications app like Zendesk, a whiteboard app like Mural, process management apps like Sweet Process, meeting note apps like Hugo, and on and on and on. I've seen teams struggle with not having enough tools and having too many. For some teams, they overuse email or written documents and meetings when in fact, they benefit from having a chat tool or a video messaging system. Other teams have quite a few tools that end up just getting used in overlapping ways, making it confusing to find anything or know where to put what information. For example, I use ClickUp and Slack with my team. We put all of our tasks in ClickUp, so it's our primary work planning tool, but all our communications about tasks go into Slack, along with any other questions and FYIs. ClickUp has its own messaging system, so we could have used that to discuss tasks, but for us, Our work isn't that complex and our team isn't that big, so keeping all our communications, both about tasks and about anything else, just in Slack, works better than having two separate places to check for messages. The one thing to note is that we don't ask people to do things via Slack. If you're assigning someone a task, then you're putting it directly into ClickUp. Your team, though, may be different. It depends on what type of work you do, what your workflows look like, how many people are working on a given project, The thing to consider is how to streamline so that you're using the right set of methods via the simplest set of tools in ways that minimize having to do the same thing in multiple places. All right, let me say that again because that was a big idea said in a very windy way. Try not to do the same thing in multiple places. It only adds confusion and complexity. Instead, figure out what communication methods work best for your team, and then how you can accomplish those with the fewest specific tools you can manage. If it's helpful, look for tools that integrate, or use Zapier to connect them so you can simplify the steps you take to get the right information to the right places. Okay, principle number two. Use structures and templates whenever possible. Our brains like familiarity. We like patterns. We like things that are easily recognizable because we can process them faster. So anytime we can create a format or a template that we can use over and over again, we make it easier for ourselves and for others to both prepare that communication and consume it my absolute number one suggestion is to have an agenda template for your meetings. And if you know me, you know that I love meeting effectiveness. Now, this meeting template, it can be basic. It can just keep the information in the same order every time. And by having it as a template, it prompts you to add that information in so you don't have to remember what you're supposed to be putting in. You could have your agenda template include things like adding the desired outcome, providing instructions on how meeting participants could prepare, listing the activities and how long you'll do those so that you know how you're gonna spend your time together. And if you really wanna get fancy, you could create templates for different types of meetings so that your team check-in meetings always follow the same structure and your brainstorming meetings have the same flow and your one-on-ones are consistent. But it's not just meetings that we can apply consistency and structure to. Some teams use email subject line norms, like adding brackets at the start of the subject to identify if it's an action, a decision is needed, it's just an FYI, or if it's urgent. A number of years ago, when my business Meteor, my meeting focus company, had a software we used to do daily stand-ups in Slack. Everyone used the same format every time for the Slack message. What I completed yesterday, what I'm working on today, what help I need for my colleagues. This was so much better than each person adding whatever information they thought was important in any format that they liked. It's so much harder to skim through when people post paragraphs and other people post bullet points and the questions are answered in different orders by different people. Having this simple structure allowed us to quickly share the information and scan it so that we could all stay informed. So again, look for any places where standardizing, templatizing, or any type of consistent structuring can simplify and streamline your communications. Now, principle number three, think asynchronous first. It may be shifting, but for a long time, meetings had become an overused form of communication to the point of it being one of the biggest forms of waste in business. I think this saying captures it all. When you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And for many people, meetings were the hammer, and every situation called for a meeting. For so long, we put up with unproductive, draining meetings because we didn't have or know how to use other communication and collaboration tools. But, thanks in large part to the pandemic, Zoom fatigue has become a real thing. But on the flip side, people have an increased comfort with technology software. So, we're starting to see a shift towards fewer meetings, which again, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that fewer meetings doesn't necessarily mean they're better meetings, but it's a start. As a side note, if you want to improve your meetings, you should check the show notes for some additional episodes and resources. Meteor has a free online resource center, plus you can purchase my book or my ultimate meetings guide for even more meeting effectiveness learning. Okay, end of side note, back to the principle. Think asynchronous first. Asynchronous first means that we opt for an asynchronous method until it's no longer working. Imagine starting a conversation by email, and then when the chain becomes unwieldy, you switch to a meeting. Or sending what you believe will be an FYI by video message, and then when it turns out the person has lots of questions, you give them a call to make sure you understand what they're asking and they get the clarity they need. Asynchronous first also means intentionally planning to use asynchronous methods first as a preparation for asynchronous gathering. So instead of doing all the activities in the meeting we front load some of those onto asynchronous tools so that we can optimize the time we have together for conversation. For example, people don't need to be in a meeting to brainstorm ideas. They could start doing this alone and then come together to share and process those ideas. Similarly, you don't need to present information in a meeting. You could record a video of yourself or an audio message or a screen capture yourself walking through visual aids and share those ahead of time. These approaches may feel awkward at first, but I promise once you get going, it will become just another part of how you do your work. I also wanna say that by adding in audio and video messages in addition to text-based documents or messages, we make it easier and more inclusive for different preferences and strengths. Some people are great at putting their thoughts into writing and others would be much faster and more thorough if they could just record themselves talking it out. Plus, we get to hear or see body language and tone of voice that would otherwise be missing in a written message. The same approach works with gathering feedback on a document ahead of time through comments or track changes, because we can get everyone's thinking into the room. And you can even do it anonymously, if that would help create greater comfort with sharing dissenting or critical views. And then when we're in the meeting, we can get the most out of our time together by spending it in discussion. So to wrap this idea up, remember that meetings are actually quite costly. Good meetings require preparation and coordination, so consider meetings a last resort except for when building relationships or talking about sensitive topics. Now let's shift to creating a communications guide. What I love about a communications guide is that it gives people confidence to know which tools to use when. One of the game changer norms that my team at Meteor decided on was to text if something was urgent. And if the person didn't respond within five minutes, then pick up the phone and call them. I still use that practice with anyone I'm collaborating with today. I tell them to send me an email or a chat message and that it could take me anywhere from an hour to two days to respond, depending on how my day is going, how important and urgent their content is. But if you text me and tell me that there's something important you need me to respond to, I will be on it. And I am super clear that you should not text me for anything that is not urgent. Texting is reserved for only the most critical moments. And this keeps it from becoming just another way that we communicate. So here is a high-level overview of the process. Step one, clarify with your team what the problems and challenges are with your current communications and what you hope to accomplish by creating a communications guide. Step two, explore what's currently working well about how your team is communicating and get really specific about those points of frictions or breakdowns. I often find it useful to think back to times when the team is communicating really well and then times when it didn't to see what we can learn from those real-life past situations. And as you're doing this, be sure to explore both practices and tools. Step three, make a preliminary decision about which tools and practices you wanna use for what purposes and write it down. What this decision looks like can take many forms. As an example, for my Meteor team, we dug deep into how we were gonna use Slack and we created some new channels. We gave each channel a specific description that said what type of information goes here and what type of information does not. That way there would be minimal confusion. Now step four, do an experiment. Try out your new communication guidelines and check in each week to see how it's going. Remember, I said you were making a preliminary decision because once you get started, you will learn a lot. With those Slack channels that we had set up, we realized that for a few topics, we had parsed the purpose of that channel way too finely and we ended up combining them together. There really are only two rules for this experimental phase. Number one, and this is so important, follow the new guidelines. And if you notice that someone isn't, don't give in. Remind them of the new process and then tell them that you'll engage with them once they do it the right way. And let me just say, that is not as easy as it sounds. If you are used to getting things by email and just hitting reply, and you've now agreed to send messages in Microsoft Teams instead, and then someone sends you an email, you will be tempted to just hit reply. I know all the rationales. Maybe you're running on autopilot or you just need to move the work forward. Or you don't want to annoy the person with another reminder of these new norms. Or you don't want to make them redo the work of sending you the same message since you've already seen it. Trust me, if you let it slide once, you are just setting yourself up for a harder time in the future. So really, encourage everyone to help hold the line and be responsible for following the guidelines to begin with. Let them know that everyone's going to make some mistakes, and that's okay, but we should all remind each other and be responsive when someone reminds us so that we can all succeed with these new communication norms going forward. Okay, second rule, check in weekly on how it's going. It is highly unlikely that you'll get it right the first go around. So build in some time as a team to share what's working, what's not, and identify some new changes to make. Once those conversations consist of, yeah, it's working pretty well for a few weeks in a row, you can pause them and shift to a norm that people will raise a communications issue if there are new frictions or breakdowns that they find. Then once your practices are set, feel free to formalize the guide and make it available to all existing and new team members. You could even incorporate into your team playbook if you have one. And if you don't yet, check out episode 63, Creating a Team Playbook with Millie Blackwell. Okay, I mentioned quite a few additional episodes and resources, so check the show notes or your inbox if you're on my email newsletter to get those links. This week's episode guide contains more details on that process and the principles, along with my thoughts on which synchronous and asynchronous practices and tools are most effective for what types of activities. I also include some of my favorite tools in case you're looking to add some to your toolbox and want a short list to start from. To get this episode guide, become a member by going to themodernmanager.com slash join and selecting the sprout or bed level memberships. If you work for a government or a non-profit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. And if membership isn't right for you, you can always purchase any episode guide at themodernmanager.com slash shop. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox along with this week's episode mini guide. If you subscribe to my newsletter, find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening until next time.
1: Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M E E T. EOR.com You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at MamieKS.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox.